Bow your heads with me if you would. As we pray together. As we think about all that we've just sung. The scriptures we've just heard. And the glory of who it is we're here to worship. How can we not, how can we not be just captivated by His presence? If there's an ounce of life within us. Father, in your word, through the psalmist, you said at one point for us just to be still and know that you are God. Be quiet. Be silent. And just reflect on your glory and your presence, Lord. There's so much to reflect upon. We live in a day of deep hypocrisy, Lord. It is no idle criticism by many non-believers that when they look at the church, They see it filled with hypocrites. I wish that weren't so. It ought not be so. But Lord, I repent to you this morning and confess before you that even I'm guilty, Lord. Failing to honor you when you deserve the honor and liking the praise of men more than just your well done, my good and faithful servant. Father, help us to repent. Even as the Puritan once wrote, Lord, even my repentance needs to be repented of. Because so often, Lord, our repentance is so shallow. Lord, help us do deep heart work, deep repentance, that we might have a great and a deep dependence upon you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. If you will, take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. As at least chapter-wise, we are one-third of the way through the Sermon on the Mount. 
Having looked at the fifth chapter clearly, we now come to the sixth chapter where Jesus is going to talk about everything from giving to the poor, to prayer, to the way we live, which is what he's been talking about to some degree this whole thing. But I, I want us to focus on him. Someone said something this past week, uh, I believe this is the pastor's conference, that just kind of has, has graded at me all week. And I, I don't know if you've ever had anything like that happen before, but this person, this preacher, I don't even remember which one it was. But he made the statement that we are guilty many times in the best of our churches of preaching a false gospel. And I immediately thought, well, I'm glad I'm not guilty of that. And then he said, here's the, here's the test. If our people leave the worship service on Sunday and go out those doors thinking more about what they can do for God than what God has done for them, then we have preached a false gospel. And I went, oh, if, if we have our people leave, if you go out of here leaving, rather than have, I mean, this morning, I, I got I to confess to you, I'm just filled with, with, with wonder after the songs we've sung and the, the, the thinking that we've been led to and the prayers and the, and, and the, uh, the scripture. But, but we have to understand that the focus of the gospel is what God has done in Jesus Christ in our lives. The cleansing, the forgiveness, the purity, the, the call to us, uh, uh, to come to Him. And Him saying, I now adopt you into my family. I make you a child of mine, a part of my family. And I think when Jesus is talking to His disciples, and others are sitting around and, or standing around and listening in this Sermon on the Mount, I mean, Jesus has sat down and began to talk to them, and they're all standing listening to this magnificent teacher, I think one of the things he wants them to see is, listen, so often you get caught up in, you get caught up in religion, you get caught up in ritual, you get caught up in stuff that you miss what it means to really worship. And in these verses, verses 1 through 6 of chapter 6, Jesus uses that word over and over and over again, like the hypocrite, you know, and, and like, like those who try to be seen by men and, and want the praise of man and want to be, be seen as being really, really religious. And he condemns that. Listen to what he says. Verse 1, chapter 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Isn't that interesting that, that in verse 1, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men. And, and over here in, in, verse, in chapter 5, if you remember, he says, You are salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. And so you are to, you are to let your light so shine before men in such a way that they see your good works, and they glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, in, in verse 5, he says, Go out there and let them see your good works. Let them see your righteousness that comes through the righteousness of Christ. Live it so that they might see that you're living in the presence 
of the living God. In verse 1 of chapter 6, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Do you think Jesus is a little confused here? No. Not confused. He's talking about two entirely different things. He's talking about, I, I think in, in chapter 5, he's saying, listen, there are some of you who are so timid and so shy that, that you don't even let your, yourself be known as a believer. You don't even let people know that you believe in Christ. Go out for the shy and the timid. Go out and, and speak it. In, in verse six, uh, chapter 6, verse 1, I think he's saying, you know, there are some of you who are so blatant and so open and you want to be seen by men. Be sure you don't practice your righteousness in such a way that men will notice you. Thus the title of the sermon, for the glory of God or the praise of man. He goes on. We'll come back to verse 1 in just a minute. So when you give to the poor, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. It's from man. But you, when you pray, Go into your inner room. King James says, go into your closet. Close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And then he goes on and talks about prayer specifically. And we'll look at that next time. But I want you to see that Jesus in these six verses takes three different situations. He says, when you give to the poor, when you pray, and later he'll talk about when you're fasting. He'll say these are, are three things that are, are clearly religious righteousness, if you will. The other things are kind of moral righteousness. Live out the presence of Christ in your life in a way that men will see what you're doing and see that God is at work in your life. And the attention won't be toward you. It'll be toward glorifying your Father which is in heaven. And here he says, don't, don't do it. Just beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. So when you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet. I don't think we've got any trumpets here at Grace. But in the synagogue, there was always great fanfare. When someone would come and give a great offering, they would sound the trumpets and people would rejoice. And they would, I guess in the vernacular of our day, they would give them a hand, you know. Oh, that's so good. Yes, yes, I'm just a sacrificial giver. Giving to the Lord. This is for the Lord. And everybody's happy and everybody praises them and says, Oh, can you believe what they did? Jesus says, when you give to the poor, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give it in secret. Give it for, for, simply for the glory of God. Not so men will look at you and recognize you. See, religious people, mm, boy, they love to be recognized, don't they? They love for people to 
recognize them and, and, and affirm them in their religiosity. But you see, Jesus is not concerned with religious people here. Matter of fact, Jesus, throughout most of his ministry, it's interesting that, that, that Jesus made it fairly clear that he was fairly disgusted with religious people. Not with true believers. Not with disciples. Not with those who had had the work of God in their life and they lived it out on a day-by-day basis. But religious people who tended to substitute the gospel for religion. They tended to substitute religion for the gospel, rather. I said that backwards. They, they tend to think that this is what it's all about. We come to church, we wear our best clothes, we smile, we sing, and we, we bow our heads when you're supposed to bow your heads. So people will say, oh, look at that. They're bowing their head. They're closing their eyes. They're singing. Religious people seem to be obsessed many times with recognition. Calling attention to themselves. Churches can do this also, folks. Churches can fall into the trap of religion rather than the trap of Christianity, rather than the trap of genuine, uh, the, the reality of real faith. They, they fall in the trap of just wanting to be recognized by people, wanting to be known as the biggest, the best, the, the most exciting, whatever. Real faith is not obsessed with that. Real faith concentrates on glorifying God and receiving their reward from Him. Now some look at that and say, oh, well, this is a, this is a bad motivation. This is health and wealth stuff. No, it's not. It doesn't say what that reward's going to be. I believe what Jesus is saying here, your reward indeed in, in coming in this way to Christ, your reward in coming before a guy like this is just the reward of His presence in your life. It doesn't mean, well, if you give $100 in secret, then you're going to get a $200 in return. That's not the reward he's talking about. He's talking about the reality of a life that is grounded in Christ, the reality of a life that is grounded in worship, the reality of a life that knows the presence of the living God in your life, not just as an not just as a, a expression so people will see it, but as a reality. Religious people also many times will substitute ritual for real love for God. They were doing that here. They were going through the rituals. They were in the synagogue. They were doing what they felt they ought to be done. And, and, and they were going through it very ritualistically. And they were doing it. But again, many times they were doing it just so that, that they would be seen. It wasn't so much about God as it was about them. How many times have you heard somebody say, well, you know, I just really didn't get anything out of that worship service. Well, the reason you didn't get anything out of it is because you probably didn't put anything into it. You just came to say, okay, I dare you to bless me. I dare you to speak to me. I dare you to say anything that will help me. You know, religion is just caught up in going through the ritual, just playing the game. Well, 1030 on Sunday morning, got to be in church, check. Oh, well, 9 o'clock, I was in Sunday school, check. It's kind of like, okay, I've got that off now. Now I can get on with my week and do whatever I need to do. Whatever I want to do. For my own pleasure, my own enjoyment. But I've done the ritual. Religious people also tend to elevate ritual over loving others. They elevate ritual over loving others. They don't care about 
really reaching out and meeting needs of people within the body. They just go through the ritual, man. They just do what they know they're supposed to do, and, and everything's all right. No, Jesus says you're supposed to love one another. You're supposed to see the poor. You're supposed to give to them, not out of recognition, not out of getting praise of man, just giving to them because you have a heart for them. You have a heart to care for them. In our body, when we have people that have needs, you know, as a body, we're not to say, oh, well, be warmed and comforted and be filled. Go in peace. Boy, if we see a need within the body and, and we really are walking with Christ, we see that need and we've got the means by which we can meet that need, not for tax-deductible purposes, but just because we love that person, then that's real Christianity. It's not religion. But sometimes we elevate the ritual over even loving one another. It's another characteristic I heard someone say one time about religion versus real faith, and that is religious people are more concerned with others' sins and not their own. You know, Jesus here is talking about to these religious people, you need to quit being trying to find the honor of men. You need to quit trumpeting your, your gifts before the people. You need to quit drawing attention to yourself. And you need to get quiet before God. You need to get in secret and give in secret. You need to get in prayer and, and, and be praying in secret. But, but religious people say, oh, well, that's not my problem. Somebody else's problem. Also, I think you, you'll find religious people always think that the preacher's always talking about other people. Yeah, that's right. I know some people just like what he's talking about. I know some people who always want to be known for what they're giving. They want to be, you know, religious people always think it's somebody else. Truth of the matter is, what Jesus is saying here is we need to repent of our religion and our self righteousness. We need to give in secret, and God will reward you in secret. We need to pray. Now, now understand, I don't think he's being wooden-headed literalistic here when you pray go into your inner room and close the door and pray in secret I don't I don't think that's the only way you can pray I mean if we did we wouldn't have prayer meetings we wouldn't have public prayer and worship uh, we wouldn't have prayer partners I mean you know it just you wouldn't do that and all those things are helpful and good but I do think he's saying that let the focus of your prayer be what goes on between you and God where you are focusing on him concentrating on him and, and quite 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 frankly, if you're not praying in private, you won't be very effective praying in public. If all you ever do is pray in public, the only time you pray is when you come here so you can bow your head real quick and let everybody think you're praying so seriously. Jesus says that's what the hypocrites do. But rather spend time alone with your Father. Spend time alone in prayer. Go into your inner room. Concentrate on that time. If you look down at 16 and 17, he talks about fasting there. He kind of puts a break in there and talks about prayer, which we'll look at in depth. But in 16 and 17, I think it's really a, a part of what he's saying in verses 1 through 6. He says, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance and so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full, the recognition of man. But you... When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face 
so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You see a pattern there? He says the exact same thing three different times in three different religious activities. When you give, he expects you to be giving. I mean, he just, he just makes it clear. When you give. He doesn't say, so if you give to the poor, no. When you give. That's a, part of the, that's a part of the expression of our faith. That's a part of the expression of the reality of Christ in our life. We do give. Not just to the offering. Not just when the church says, okay, now it's time to give. Give up. But rather, when you see needs. When you give. Jesus says that's going to be a reality in the life of the believer. And when you pray. He doesn't say, if you pray. Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon back in the 1700s. And the title of the sermon, the sermon's about, if I were to decide to preach Jonathan Edwards' sermon here and just read it to you, it'd take me about two and a half hours. So I'll just give you the title. Lack of prayer, the sure sign of the hypocrite. That was the title. Well, it actually had more title than that. That was the upper title, then he had a subtitle, it was about 200 words, and the rest of the title. But lack of prayer, the sure sign of the hypocrite. Jesus expected his disciples to be praying. He didn't say, if you pray, he said, when you pray. Same with fasting. He said, whenever you fast. You know, he didn't say, if you fast. Now, Don Whitney dealt with that quite well several months ago when he didn't came and did the weekend on spiritual disciplines with us and talked about the spiritual discipline of fasting. He, he, he covered that quite effectively, I thought. It's amazing that Jesus says that here because, you know, the, the Jews in Jesus' day had a very strict fast regiment. Moses told them to fast on the Day of Atonement, and so they started fasting on the Day of Atonement. And as time went on, they added other fast days. They had feast days where they would really pig out, but they had fast days where they didn't eat anything. And they had a way of doing this that they would say, okay, now it's a fast day. I've got to let everybody know I'm fasting. So they'd take a little dirt and they'd rub it on their face and on their head and they'd must their hair and they'd just have a gloomy face and they would walk around and they'd say, oh, and somebody said, oh, what's wrong with you? Oh, I'm just fasting. Just fasting for the Lord, you know? Fasting ought to be a way of spiritual discipline that reminds us of our dependency on Christ. Our dependence on Christ. But, but the Jews had fasting. Even John the Baptist's disciples had regular fast, evidently, because when some of the people came to Jesus, they said, Listen, John's disciples fast, but your disciples don't even fast. During his earthly ministry, Jesus didn't put a lot of emphasis on his disciples fasting, and, and so they accused him of being a false prophet because of it. But Jesus here says, listen, fasting will continue to be a part of your life if you're walking with Christ. But when you do it, don't smear dirt on your face. Don't look gloomy. Don't be able to look like you're sick. It's like sometimes people say to me, I said, you're a pastor, aren't you? Just by looking at me, they'll say that. And my usual answer is, no, I've just been ill. Because uh, that bothers me when they look at me and say that, you know. And Jesus is saying, don't, don't position yourself so that you look pitiful. But comb your hair, wash your face, anoint your head. And go on with life as though everything is just like it was yesterday. There's no difference because you don't, you're fasting to be noticed by men.
We live in a day, the church of Jesus Christ, across this land, where we have allowed religion to replace the relationship of the living Lord. We live in a day where religious activity and ritual and and the praise of man and, and just being noticed has become the primary thing. And I think Jesus is saying to you and to me, especially to me, you need to repent of religion. You need to repent of self-righteousness. You need to repent of of thinking you're going to do anything for me apart from what I have done for you. And you need to focus on what I've done for you. You ought to focus on that with a life of praise. You ought to focus on that with a life of, of worship. That's not just coming for one hour on Sunday morning and saying, okay, got that done. It's a life of corporate worship every opportunity you get. It's a a life of private worship when you leave corporate worship because that's what private worship flows out of. The people of God coming together, worshiping the living God, singing praises gloriously to his name and then going out and saying you know I can't wait to get to my closet I got to get to my closet I've got to worship him some more because he's such a great God he's such a wonderful savior he's such a mighty king let's pray And let's just be silent before him for a moment. Father, it's amazing how awkward silence can be. We live in a world that we jump in our car and we turn on the radio. We don't want to be silent. We get home and I'm the world's worst of this. I turn on the TV because I don't want it to be silent. live in a world where we want to be entertained and amused as Neil Postman said we're amusing ourselves to death we play at our religion and we work hard at our recreation we substitute ritual for reality we substitute the praise of man for the glory of God We need to be cleansed. We need 
for your spirit to invade our lives. We need, Lord, to be shaken to our very core. That we might know that you are God. Father Jesus said, don't be like the hypocrites. Because they substitute religion for reality. Lord, make, give us reality. Thank you, Father. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for sending your Son into the world according to the Scriptures and sending Him to the cross to die according to the Scriptures and raising Him from the dead according to the Scriptures and, and having Him ascend and be exalted at the right hand of, of the Father on high according to the Scriptures. Mm. the gospel, the full gospel, the true gospel, the gospel of reality. Let that permeate our life and our being, O oh Lord. We pray in Jesus' name.